Is there anything in the back of that? Let's just tip it down. Lay it down on its back. There's a lot of stuff in there. Oh. We'll get it out of there. This is not symbolic. This is just. There we go. Now we can see. We got no problems. Streamline. I got a question for you. Well, this is an off-the-tape question. <laughs> Why do reformed people complain about more forms? I don't get it. <laughs> Isn't the reformed church always reforming? Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Well, welcome back to... Oh, yeah, imitating Jesus. I played way more cornhole this afternoon than I anticipated, and I'm worn out. And we lost. I don't mind being worn out when you win, but when, you, when you're worn out from being lost. I noticed my, one of my grandsons didn't want to become a sermon illustration again tonight, so he's way down there where I can't see him. You don't mind being a sermon illustration? Have you done anything wacky that I can tell everybody about? Nah, 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 nah. All right, last night we started thinking about... Somebody want me to kick this chocolate milk over or something? We were thinking about imitating Jesus. There are certain things that Jesus did for us that we can't imitate, Right? He died on the cross for our sins so that we could be washed as white as snow and have eternal life with God in heaven. Yes? Can we do anything to help that along? No, no way, no way. But then there are other things, even those unique things that set a pattern for us that Jesus wants us to imitate. For example, when He washed the disciples' feet, and he said, now I want you to have that same kind of, of humble attitude. So there's a way to imitate Jesus, and then there are ways in which we cannot imitate him. And it's really because we understand and appreciate what Jesus did in his infinite love for us that we can't do for ourselves, that then out of gratitude, we walk in his footsteps. Right? Does it sound like what I said last night? Because if it doesn't, I'm in the wrong place. Okay, sounds like what I said last night. So tonight we want to talk about working like Jesus. How many of you like to work? Well, how many of you like to play? Oh. How many of you like to work more than you like to play? A few. Workaholics. No. Most of us would rather play than work. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Work or play? Play. I'm so tired. I want to go to bed. Well, we can go swim. Oh, I'm fine now. You know, we just, somehow there's something about us that doesn't like to work. 
until a certain point. And then many of us decide, yeah, you know, there's things about work that are far more enjoyable, far more satisfying than playing, although we always like a vacation. Well, you know, Jesus was a working man. Do you ever think about that? Jesus was a working man. Now, Buddha sat under a tree doing nothing until he got enlightened. But that's not the kind of God we worship. We worship a God who works, who created all of the things that we see and the things that we don't see are the work of God. And Jesus, the Son of God, sent by God into the world, came to do some work. Now, actually, the Bible tells us that Jesus was at work back in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and nothing has been made that wasn't made through Jesus. So He was working with God at the beginning. In Proverbs chapter 8, it says that Jesus was at the right hand of God when God was forming the creation, like His general contractor, so to speak, overseeing that work. And then Jesus is at work in sustaining everything by His powerful Word. So we think about providence. Why do things keep working? Well, because Jesus, the Son, keeps them working. But when we think about Jesus, we think mostly about His work of redemption. Jesus, the working man. When my oldest son, who's now 40-something, was uh, five or six. Sometimes people would say, Dave, when you grow up, are you going to be a preacher like your daddy? And he'd say, no, I'm going to be a working man. (laughs) By which he meant a real worker, blue collar, get your hands dirty, Come home sweaty, covered with dirt, preferably having driven a big piece of equipment for the whole day. That's a working man. Or maybe a tow truck driver. Working man. I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a working man. Jesus was a working man. I mean, listen to this. This is what Jesus says. You remember that story uh, when Jesus was going through Samaria? back to Galilee, and he stopped in this town in Samaria, and he was tired, and he was thirsty, and he asked for a drink, and, uh, and he got into a conversation with the woman there, and uh, meanwhile, his disciples had gone off to buy some food, and they came back again, and when they came back, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his... That was so lame. Accomplish his work. work. Say it. Work. 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 So, Jesus, food and drink. That which, you know, you guys like to eat, right? Well, Jesus liked to work more than he liked to eat. How about you? Oh, not so much. Yeah, no, no. Because Jesus was a working man. At another point, he said, We must work the works of him who sent me 
while it is day, night is coming when no one can work. And in his last recorded prayer in John's Gospel, the so-called high priestly prayer, he said, Father, I have completed the work that you gave me to do. Everything you wanted me to do, I have done. Jesus was a working man. So what can we learn? Now again, we've said that much of Jesus' work was unique. His work sent him to the cross. He died to accomplish the Father's will, to do the Father's work. And we're the beneficiaries of that. But we can also imitate him in his devotion to that loving work of the Father. I have one thing in common with Jesus. You still with me there, buddy? This is going to get worse through the week. Some of you are falling asleep. Katie, Katie, I know you're just resting your eyes. (laughs) Remember, you look at me and I think you're listening to me even if you're not listening to me. But you are listening to me. You just weren't looking at me. That's not even making any sense to her, huh? Okay. Where was I? Remember, I'm old. I have a very short attention span. I'm easily distracted. Oh, yeah. What do I have in common with Jesus? I, my dad, was a carpenter. And Jesus' dad, right? Joseph was a carpenter. And I used to love to watch my dad do his work. And I remember, you know, he worked on big projects. And so he was one who came home with his hands dirty, smelling of sweat and sawdust. I can kind of almost remember what it smelled like. It was the smell of a working man. And Jesus was raised by Joseph. We don't know just how long, but it's safe to assume that he watched his father work. Maybe was apprenticed with his father and learned the skills of a carpenter. And there's a verse, or some verses, here in John 5 that, that I, you know, now I'm not going to, and I know there's a lot of theologians lurking in here, so don't hold me to this exegetically. This is just what comes to my mind when I hear Jesus talking about working the works of his heavenly Father. I wonder if he didn't think about what he saw his earthly Father doing and thought, yeah, this is how I do my Father's work. You guys did such a great job of reading last night, and because reading out loud helps you stay awake, let's read this together. And we're going to have a couple of pages here, because the print is big enough for me to read. John 5, 16 through 20. Together? And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will they show him, so that you may marvel. 
what he sees the father doing. The father shows the son. He loves the son and he shows him all that he himself is doing. When I used to work with my dad, he did the work, I did the watching. You know, in a, in a, on a Saturday, he used to like to make things. And, and, uh, and so he would show me while he was making things how to use the saw, how to use the plane, how to countersink a, a nail, a, a screw head, and so that it would come out ju- looking just right. And, and, and so I would watch him, and, he, and as I grew a little bit older, he let me undertake some of those tasks. And, and it was a wonderful thing to know that I was working with my working man, Dad. And I learned some skills. Now, I'm no woodworker and uh, only a mediocre carpenter, but I learned a lot of things about working by watching him work. Now, again, I'm not going to push this too far, but what do you suppose Jesus saw in the carpenter shop of Joseph? The tools? He learned how to use this tool and what that tool was for. He learned how to measure and cut. They probably told him a long time ago, measure twice, cut once. <laughs> See, some of you guys have been hanging around working men too. Yeah, yeah. Or measure once, cut twice. You can make mistakes, so you've got to be careful. And so Jesus, having been raised as a man in that context, learning to do that work from his earthly father, it wouldn't be a leap then for him then to say to his disciples, and that's how my work as the Messiah relates to the work of the Father. He's showed me what he has been doing, and now I am carrying out his work. I'm fulfilling his work. So Jesus had this sense not only that he was working, but that he was working the works of God. Now, People work for lots of different things, right? How many of you work for money? I mean, usually we work for money. How many of you work uh, for self-satisfaction? Yeah, okay, that's nice. Some of you get money and self-satisfaction. That, that's good. Um, how many of you work because your wife said, Honey, you can't sit around watching TV anymore. Go get a job. No. Any hand? Oh, we got one hand for that? No. So people work for different reasons, and oftentimes that regulates how they do their work. For example, if nobody's watching them, they think, well, I really don't have to work that hard. But if you're working for God, if you are working in a way that pleases God, wouldn't that change your attitude about the way you do your work? When we talk about work ethics, whether you can rely on a worker to be honest, to work when you're not there, not to cheat, not to steal from the employer, those kinds of things. Well, getting this idea in our mind that we can imitate Jesus in the way we do our work is really revolutionary. If you get it in mind, it will change the way you do your work. Now, you got a job? Nah. You? No? Yeah? Well, yeah, yeah. How about a, a chore? Have you got a chore? Well, I have a job. You have a job? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah? 
Mow the yard. Cool. Do you get paid? Yeah. Or you just get fed? <laughs> What's your job? You work where? At home, anywhere. So you got different kinds of chores? Take out the garbage? Yeah? All right. Anybody else have a job job here? Some of you got jobs. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Okay. But some of you are students. You're a student? You're a student? 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 Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. See? For most of us, when we're young, our main job is to be students, right? Some of you like school. Some of you don't like school. Some of you are conscientious about your studies, and others of you are not. Some of you like some things because it interests you, and you really hate other things because it doesn't interest you. Maybe you got a good teacher. Maybe you got a bad teacher. All kinds of variables. But if you are working for Jesus... If you are imitating his attitude about work, then that's going to change the way you study, right? I mean, it makes sense to me. Am I the only one that it makes sense to? So, working like Jesus means working for Jesus, working for the honor of God, working to glorify our Heavenly Father. Again, that's what Jesus said. I'm working to bring glory to my Father. Now, Jesus' work was unique. Ours is not special, but it's still very, very important. And imitating Jesus as a working man, a working woman, really changes our perspective. Now, there's a couple other things, quickly, that went into this matter of working. You know, if you're going to be a good worker under someone else, you have to be willing to submit to their planning and you have to be obedient to their directions. Um, you know, usually if there's a big work project, somebody has to make drawings as an architect and then someone else comes along as an engineer and says this is how you're going to put this thing together well then it's handed to the workman and if the workman says you know I don't like these designs I think I'm going to change them how come they tell me how much concrete I need how many nails I need how much this that or the other thing I get a better plan not much building would get done right you got to follow the plan. And so that idea of submitting to the will, the plan, the purpose of the one that you're working for, we call that meekness. Now, we don't use this word very often anymore. We, our modern translations, they call it gentleness. But gentleness, I mean, gentleness is good, don't get me wrong. But it's not the same thing as meekness. Meekness is deliberately subjecting your will to the will of another. And that characterized Jesus' life. He said, learn of me because I am meek. I have learned to subject my will to the will of the Father who sent me. So before Jesus was going to be able to get any of God's work done... He had to be meek. He had to submit. And we don't like to be 
meek. We don't like to submit. Again, there's something in us that somebody tells us what to do, and we, oh, you couldn't tell me that. I don't, I don't want to have to do that. Again, when that same boy, my son, who wanted to be a working man, you know, not like his preacher father, he uh, had a little children's story when we were young, he was young, that he really liked us to read to him over and over again. And I've read it over to him so many times I remember the name. It was about a horse named Cracker. Nobody else that old? (laughs) Cracker was a young, energetic colt who liked to run, liked to jump, enjoyed life until they tried to put a bridle on him, until they tried to put a saddle on him, and then he got so angry that someone was going to make him do what he didn't want to do, that he bucked and 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 he bucked. But the people kept putting the bridle on and putting the saddle on and putting a rider on him and he would buck and he would buck and he would buck. But eventually he got tired of bucking and he came to realize that having that rider on his back and that bridle and that saddle and the direction that the rider gave him gave him a brand new freedom as a horse. So he had all of that energy, but now he was, the story said, gentled. We sometimes talk about breaking a horse, bringing them under the control of a master. And the point of the story was we all need to be gentled. We all need to learn meekness, to submit our will to the will of God. The place that you see it in Jesus' life, most clearly, is when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right before he went to the cross, he had the last temptation, if you will, and he struggled in prayer. And you know, he prayed three times, and each time he went away to pray and then came back to see his disciples. But then when he would go out to pray again, it was the same prayer. And here it is from Luke 22. Jesus withdrew from them, the three disciples that were with him, about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. No cross, no death. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Through his whole life, he had learned to subject his will to the will of the Father. And now, in the crisis of the last temptation, he expresses his own heart about this suffering and then says, but Father, just like I've always submitted to you, now I submit again. Just as I have always expressed my love for you in my willing submission to you, so I do it again now. He worked for God so well because he brought his will under submission to the will of the Father. And of course, from that submission then flows obedience. Again, you can't argue with the architect about the plans. Your job is to do what you're told. And so Jesus, again, is commended for his being obedient. But he paid a price to learn that obedience. And the Hebrews passage... There you go. Points to that. Although he was a son, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. 
And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So that's what Jesus wants from us. If we're going to imitate him, submission to the will of our Father, how do we find out what God's will is? Bible. Bible. Very good. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, yeah. We learn it in the Bible. That's where God has revealed His will. Some of the things in the Bible we don't like very much. Sometimes we, I don't want to do it that way, but we learn through experience to submit to the Father's will. And then that loving obedience that flows from that submission, just as it did for Jesus, so for us, it gives us the opportunity then to work the works of God, work for God, and accomplish His will. So again, without taking anything away from the uniqueness of the work of Jesus, I want you to think about these principles. And you know, some of us didn't learn this until way, 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 way late. That's why I wanted to tell you about it tonight. So you could start learning it early to submit your will to the Father in heaven, to seek to live your life in obedience to the will of God, not because you're trying to earn credit or something or because somebody's going to pound you if you don't, but because your delight, just as the delight of Jesus himself, is to do the will of God and to accomplish his work. So learning to imitate Jesus as a working man is a very, very important pattern of our discipleship. And I pray that God will teach you from an early age all the way till you get back to the geezer row back there. To love your work because you love the Father who gives you that work. And to be humbled and honored that God would be pleased with your work. For so He is. The Father was so pleased with what the Son had done. And so He is with all of His sons and daughters who will work in imitation of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, You know that our will can be stubborn, and we can be lazy, And we can work only when we're pressured, forced into it, or maybe bribed with some money or some reward of one sort or another. We would like to learn, Lord, through the teaching of your Holy Spirit to to work like Jesus did, out of the pure delight of being allowed to imitate the Father, to to accomplish His purposes, and to bring joy, O God, to Your great heart. Uh, Please help us to learn that lesson early, uh, to bring our wills under subjection to Yours, not our will, but Yours be done, and then to joyfully, obediently, as sons and daughters, obey Your will and follow You in ministry and service so that you will be glorified and we will be blessed in the enjoyment of you for all eternity. And in that, may Christ be glorified as he sees his image, his likeness reproduced in us, his brothers, his sisters, his 
children, and may he receive the glory. Amen.